Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Let's go to the Word of the Lord. John chapter 2, before my miracle arrives. John chapter 2. Brother Cordell is out of town with his family. They have a family reunion type thing, so he's not here today. And so you're going to have to put up with me. John chapter 2, verse 1. Now on the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? My hour is not yet come. And his mother saith unto the servants, and this is a tremendous message that she preaches, whatsoever he saith unto you, do you feel that way today? Whatever Jesus says, I'm going to do it. I didn't get a rousing ovation there. I want want you to know, I'll give you another chance. I want you to know that if the Bible said to be baptized in marshmallows, I am on my way to pick and save to buy as many marshmallows as I possibly can. Whatever he says to do, he said to repent or you'll perish. You better repent or you're going to perish. He said you must be born of the water and the spirit or you can't see or enter the kingdom of God. That's not optional, folks. This is not up for debate. Whatsoever he says to do, do it. He gets upset with people that don't do that. You know that? Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do the things that I say? So she said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And before my miracle arrives, God wants some things from me. And whatever he asks, we need to do. Amen? All right. So before my miracle arrives, there are two things that are needed. Two things that are needed before a miracle arrives. Number one, you got to have the need of a miracle. And number two, you need to have somebody that can do the miraculous. Now, I'm in the first group, but I'm not in the second group. I can have a need, but I can't do the miraculous. But I know one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, who changes not, neither is there turning in his life. He never changes. Jesus does the miraculous. You can't have, now I, I, I got to preach simple because I'm a simple person. You can't have a healing miracle without somebody being sick diseased, or injured. Why would God allow me to get sick, diseased, or injured? 
Maybe it's to prove his miraculous power. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Right? But how can there be a resurrection if nobody dies? How can there be a, a, a miracle of healing here on the earth if nobody dies? Death is appointed. It's appointed unto a man once to die. Everybody's going to die. I'm sorry to give you that bad news, but this is reality. But because I live, Jesus said, you're going to live also. He's proved it over and over in raising people from the dead. How can I receive a financial blessing if I never have a financial need? Are you hearing what I'm saying? How can a life be changed unless a life is emptied of its past? The bad things that we face really are a stage for the miraculous. You know what, you know what God loves to hear? He loves to hear doctors say, well, there's nothing more we can do for you. Because they are admitting their limited ability but God has unlimited ability. And now that man says he can't do it, it proves that when it happens, only God could have done it. And he gets all the glory and doesn't have to share it with anybody. He doesn't have to share it with anybody. So I said, God wants something before he does something. And, and if you're taking notes, this is really important that you write this down. The three things that I believe, I didn't get this out of a book. This is from my prayer time. I believe God spoke to me about this. He wants three things. Faith, obedience, sacrifice. Faith, obedience and sacrifice. Now he may want one or he may want all three, but he wants something. And those of you that are, that are into your Bible know that he always seems to ask a question or make a requirement before he does the miraculous. Now here, let's, let's take a look at the, at the marriage supper here. John chapter two. Verse number seven, Jesus said, I want you to fill the water pots with water and they filled them to the brim. And he said, now draw out now and bear it under the governor of the feast and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast tasted the water that was made wine and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said unto him, every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine and when they have well drunk that which is worse, but you have kept the good wine until now. Now this is the beginning of miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee. Manifest forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Here's my question. If they had not filled the water pots, would there have been a miracle? Good, I think you got that one right. Let me ask you another question. 
Why, why doesn't Jesus say, hey, walk over to the water pots, I filled them with wine? Could he have done that? Sure, he could have done it, but he wanted something. It tested their faith to fill the water pots. It tested their obedience. And when they did what was asked of them, he did what they couldn't do. But he wanted something before he did something. John chapter six, verse five. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Let's take them all out for a meal. Now he said this to prove him. He knew himself what he would do. Aren't you glad to serve a God that knows what he's doing? Before he does it. He doesn't wait until a bad situation and rub his hand. Oh my goodness, look at the terrible things that are happening. How am I going to handle this one? He knows what's happening in advance. He is prepared. He has a plan. He has unlimited ability. Come on now. There isn't anything that's too hard for the Lord. There isn't anything that's too difficult. His eye is not dim. His ear is not heavy. His arm is not short. He's not off guard. He's not overwhelmed. And we shouldn't be either. Just stand beside him or stand behind him. But don't get in front of him. Somebody said amen. amen. Don't do what God does. Let God do what God does. What are we gonna, how are we going to feed all these people? Verse 9 says there's a lad here and he hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what is that among so many? Here it is again. Is there a miracle without a lad's lunch? Why did you ask? Why did you send your disciples into the crowd and say, do any of you have any food? Was it so that he could eat and the rest of them wouldn't? Was he taking up an offering for himself? No. He was asking you for something that he could bless to meet the needs of everybody. It was brought to Jesus. Come on now, placed in his hands, one lad's lunch. And the miracle came after he put it in his hands and the Bible said he blessed it and then he broke it and distributed it to the disciples and they fed them in the companies that they were sitting down in. And then after everybody else was fed, the disciples and Jesus ate. And what is he proving again? If you do what I ask you to do, I'll take your little and make it a lot. But before the miracle arrives, I want faith. I want obedience. I want sacrifice. I want them. We could go on. How about how about Elijah? 
Let me tell you the story rather than read it to you. Elijah is hungry. There's a famine in the land. And he's a prophet of God, a seer of the future. And he comes across this widow woman who has one boy. And she sees him coming and she wants to honor him. He says, ma'am, would you please fetch me some water? She doesn't say no, she just says okay. She starts to go fetch the water and he says, ma'am, bring me, when you bring me the water, bring me some bread. And that tipped her over the edge because she's living in a famine and she said, listen, man of God, as politely as she could, I'm just putting a couple sticks together so I can start a fire. We have barely enough to make one cake for my son and I. We're gonna make that cake and eat it and then we're just gonna fall down and die. You're asking for a lot. And he said, well bake me a little cake before you bake your own. And if you do, this is what God'll do. Your meal will never be gone. Your oil will never dry up. You'll be able to eat while others are not eating. In the midst of a, somebody preach with me today. No matter what happens in the world, God takes care of his own. You know what she did? She thought about it and said, you know, if I don't do what the man of God says, I get one meal. But if I do what the man of God says, and it comes to pass that the miracle takes place, I eat while others starve. I think I'll give up one meal. I think I'll make a sacrifice. I think I'll be obedient. I think I'll have faith in what the man of God is asking me to do. And it saved her. And it saved her son. Then you know about Elijah, Elisha and, and the same situation and how he told the woman, go gather all the vessels you can find. I want to bless you, but I want you to go gather as many vessels as you can from all of your neighbors. And, and they have to be empty vessels. Read it. I'm not going to take the time to read it to you right now. But he said, I want empty vessels. Get all you can and begin to pour out of yourself the oil you have into those empty vessels. And miraculously, because of her faith, because of her obedience, and because of her willingness to sacrifice the oil she had, she poured it into vessels until all the vessels were full. God never ran out of blessing. He only ran out of vessels. You know what God wants here today? He wants empty vessels. You know why God can't fill more people with the Holy Ghost? Because they're full of themselves. But if we pour ourselves out, we become obedient to his plan of salvation. He fills us with his spirit. And we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. But God wants some things before God does some things and we have to be willing to give them to him. I wanna refer to Isaiah 55, if you would turn with me there. Isaiah 55, 
and verse 8. My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now, I believe that God's ways are above my ways, higher. He didn't say better. He said higher. He knows what he's doing at all times. And what I'm gonna show you in the next few minutes is how God connects people from above. God connects people from above. You might have noticed I have two chairs sitting here. I need two men. How about the Matucci's? There we go. Father and son. All you have to do is sit in a chair and look pretty. All right? Thank you. I also want to read, before I give you this demonstration, I want to read Luke 6 and 38. Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men. That's a really, really broad term. And it doesn't only refer to masculine, it refers to feminine, mankind. Mankind. That means... It could come separate even from you and your brothers and sisters. It could come from unbelievers. Did you know that? Well, I don't think you believe me, so I guess I gotta convince you. How about the famine that's gonna come to the whole world and a pharaoh has a vision of it. He has a dream. Now who gave him the dream? Who gave Pharaoh the dream that there was gonna be a famine? Who do you think gave it to him? God gave it to him. Well, no, God can't speak to somebody that's, he can't speak to a Pharaoh. Yes, he can. He can talk to anybody. He can cross all boundaries. He's God. So he crosses the boundary, he gives the guy a dream. So. Here's the guy, here's the Pharaoh that's got a dream. Oh wait, you can't be the Pharaoh. You're younger. So here's, here's the Pharaoh. And he gives him this dream and he's troubled about it. And he, nobody he has in his kingdom can help him to interpret the dreams. And he's getting angry because they can't because they profess to be seers and prophets and magicians. And he's angry so he's talking about killing all of them until he finds out about a young man in prison named Joseph that has interpreted dreams before. So he calls for this guy. Now you have what never could have happened if Joseph hadn't been sold by his brothers. Never would have happened. But now because they're in the same region and because God is about to do the miraculous, he's bringing them together. And finally, Joseph and Pharaoh meet, and Pharaoh tells him the dream, 
And God says, here's the interpretation, Joseph. And he gives them the interpretation and saves the Egyptians and saves the Israelites at the same time. He unites an unbeliever with a believer. He did it with Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar, right? Same story, same result. Pharaoh sees what God can do with Joseph and makes him the vice president. Nebuchadnezzar sees that Daniel's God is the one true God and promotes him, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So God can work even with unbelievers through dreams or whatever. If he can't speak to them when they're awake, he'll wait till they get to sleep. And they can't object. Now I think you believe me, so let, let me share this with you. Abundant Life started in a little upper room office, outgrew it, went into a storefront, and outgrew that. But it was still a very small church, under 100. And so they needed a place of worship, but they didn't have any money. So they decided, what can we do to raise money so that we can put ourselves in a position to eventually have a building? So they decided, let's make suckers. We'll make them in the form of a bear. We'll call them, instead of a lollipop, we'll call them a lolly bear. And put them on a stick. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make, we're going to get together and have fellowship and we're going to play Christian music and we're going to make these lolly bears at night. And then the Wickman family, bless their hearts, decide, hey, we can make some bear stands for you. So they cut out these bears and put them on a stand and drill holes in them and paint them up real pretty and you can take the suckers and, and put them in the, in the bear stand and we peddle these things all over town. And we start selling these lolly bears. And God sees that. And he says, hmm, this is what I'm going to do. And he finds this man. And we didn't know this man, but, but this man's name was Ben Chase. And Ben Chase bought a yellow church building on Oakwood. And he was going to turn it into apartments. But the city said, oh, no, you don't. That is zoned institutional, it has to remain a church. Well, he can't do anything with it. He's got a problem. But this church over here has a need. And so God says, aha, watch what I'm about to do. And he comes over to this man named Ben Chase and he says, now, Mr. Chase, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna help this church. And you're gonna sell them that church building for $60,000, but they don't have a down payment. So here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna give, do you believe this? An unbeliever is gonna give a church $24,000 as a down payment, not charge them interest, and give them four years to pay back the $24,000. That's what you're gonna do, Mr. Chase. Mr. Chase says, yes, sir. And Abundant Life over here hooks up with Mr. Chase 
And pretty soon they're standing, stand by, standing side by side and, and Mr. Chase says, I'll give you the 24,000, you get the 36,000 and give it to me. I'll take balloon payments, $6,000 a year for four years, interest free. And Abundant Life says, yes, that is a miracle. Yes. And Abundant Life is really kicking out those lolly bears now and they find a big quality candy store and they help and we're selling thousands of lolly bears. And the balloon payment of $500 a month was actually more than the mortgage. But you know what? God provided. And we made those payments and paid that building off. But God wanted some faith, some obedience, and some sacrifice. And when he got it, he did what we never could have done. And then when we outgrew that and, and ended up on this property and, and with this building, one day, I know some of you have heard it, but you can hear it again, it won't hurt you. One day I was all stressed out about, oh, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna put all this together? And finally, I just had to get out. And I went down to Florida. And as is my custom, I went for my prayer time and I'm all, I've driven all the way to Florida. I walked to the end of a jetty out in the middle of, uh, of off of a beach in the ocean and I'm finally alone with God. <clears throat> no phone calls, no responsibilities. It's just gonna be me and God. It's the first day. And God, little to my knowing, had spoken to a man named Mac Dorn and said, Mac, you're going to Florida on vacation. And so Mac Dorn goes on vacation. And he walks out on the same pier that Rick Kiley is. And Rick Kiley sees him coming. So Rick Kiley, in his super spiritual wisdom, says, Lord, don't let that guy on this pier. I came all the way to Florida to get away from people. And now that guy's milling around at the end and I don't want him on this pier. I said it, I admit it. And God said, no. Can God say no to you? God said no. So this guy comes walking right on on the pier. I mean, he's not satisfied to get 20 feet away and give me a little space. He walks right up to my face. And he looks at me and he says, I know you. I said, sir, I'm sorry, I don't believe I know you. He said, well then let me introduce myself. My name is Mac Dorn and I am the new president of the First Bank of Oconomowoc. You tell me how God can do something like that. Brings us to the same place. And then Mr. Dorn, he's not satisfied to just beat me and shake my hand and head away. No, no. What are you doing here, pastor? Well, this is my, I drop a little hint, you know. <laughs> I'm still not convinced that I want this guy on the pier. 
So I said, well, sir, this is my prayer time. And he says, well, what are you praying about? You're just bold. I said, well, we've outgrown our church building and I'm, I'm trying to see what God's will is for us to the next move. Really? He said, well, I could take care of that. That's not a problem. You want help? I'll get you the money. Matter of fact, pastor, if you ever want a car, you want to buy a new car? He said, you walk into the bank and you tell them Mac Dorn said you could have a car and you don't even have to fill out an application. You just come to my office and tell me and we'll work it out from there. I said, why would you do all this? He said, well, if God can bring us to the same pier and share the need, then I just feel I'm obligated to do what God wants me to do. Isn't that amazing? Because God's thoughts, God's ways are above our ways. He brings these things together. He, he's the one that makes it happen. Thank you, brethren. I really appreciate Let's give them a good round of applause. You did a good job. Thank you. One last example. The greatest apostle was Paul. He wrote over half of the New Testament. But let me remind you of how God works. He was the greatest persecutor of the early church that it ever had. He was throwing them into prison left and right. Men, women, children, it didn't matter. They're all going to jail. He thought he was helping God. He was wrong. And one day, he's on the road to Damascus. And all of a sudden, God shows him this bright light. And it blinds him. And literally knocks him to the ground. And the Lord speaks to him and said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Here's an interesting message you can prepare to preach yourself. He wasn't persecuting Jesus. We'd say, well, you're not persecuting Jesus. You're persecuting his people. You can't persecute God's people without persecuting him. That's his body. And so, he said, it is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Now, so you understand, a prick is a long stick that has a very sharp point on the end of it, and it's what the shepherd would use to turn a sheep or to get him moving the way he wanted to get him moving. So what the Lord was saying is, I've been pricking you all along, trying to get you to go in a certain direction, and since you haven't listened to me, I'm gonna knock you on your behind and cause you to be blind so that you and I can have a conversation and so that I can unite you with one of my people. And here's where you're going to go. You're going to go to the street called Straight and you're gonna to go to Judas's house on the street called Straight. There's a good message for you to preach. We need to be straight people. Not crooked people, straight people. And so off he goes. And then the Lord goes over to Ananias. Ananias, I'm sending Saul to you. Saul? 
I don't want anything to do with that. He's a bad man. I don't want to talk to him. Well, I got something for him to do, and you're going to talk to him. Yes, sir. Changed my mind. You put it that way. And he leads him to the truth, and he becomes the greatest apostle and greatest evangelist that the church has ever known. Why did he pick Saul? Because if he can convert Saul, he can convert anybody. And if he can convert Rick Kiley, he can convert anybody. And if he can convert you, he's accomplished his mission. Let me tell you what the greatest miracle of all is. A changed and redeemed life. That is the greatest miracle that can ever happen. It's, it's greater than healing. It's greater than financial. It's greater than saving your marriage. That's the miracle. But before your miracle arrives, he's looking for faith. He's looking for obedience. And he's looking for sacrifice. Can you say amen? amen. Let's stand together. Now I know that it'd be real easy to say, well, thank you for listening and Viocondias. But I can't do that today. I believe God wants to give us a demonstration of the miraculous this morning. And so I'm going to offer a different kind of an invitation today. I've tried to convince you that, that God can heal anyone of any disease, injury, or sickness. I've tried to convince you that God can meet any financial need. And I've tried to convince you that God can save anybody. So I'm gonna divide you into three groups today if, if you wanna receive a miracle. If you have a physical need and you believe God can do the miraculous in your life, I'd like you to go to your left and my right. And some people are gonna join you and, and agree with you in prayer for a physical miracle in your life. If you have a financial need, I'd like you to go to the left, the same for you. And some people will join you over there as they're led by the Spirit to come and pray with you, they will. And if two or more would agree on touching any one thing, that's why we need to do this together, folks, together. And then number three, if you have an unspoken personal need, that just you and God know about, but you'd like somebody to join you in prayer, I'd like you to come right to the center of this altar. And if you're worried about space, well, we'll do our best to keep space from you. But if not, we're gonna lay hands on you and we're gonna pray for you. And God is gonna do what he's always done. He's gonna fill people with the Spirit. He's gonna heal the sick. He's gonna meet the need. In Jesus' name. Lord, as people come this morning, draw them by your spirit to a place where we can pray with them and encourage them, praying and encouraging one another 
I'm asking you, Lord, to do what only you can do, the miraculous. Help them to be willing to do what you want so that they can receive what only you Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.